0: Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence?
1: From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we have another war scroll Battle Tome. <laughs> I was hoping you would catch that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We have another battle tome. Just seeing if you're paying attention, you know, I had a big day yesterday with all that football and all the hobbying. I
0: wanted to see if you were, okay. I'm all the way there. I promise. We're talking about Lumineth Realm Lords. Yeah, we are their third battle tome in just as many years. So that's fun. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Right. The top line on this one is it's very similar, but it was really streamlined. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a lot of the other 3.0 books that we've talked about here to this point. They've done a really good job removing a lot of the like really feels bads about what Lumineth has been. Okay. And it's a much... Simpler experience, I think, to play. You're not going to be locked into as many 30 minute hero phases as you were before. Okay. All right. Great.
1: Then we have some. We have a lot
0: of hobby going on. So much hobby. and I. Yeah. Wow. Well, your hobby is related to my hobby. So. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. So that's what we're going to talk about today, folks. And with that, let's move on to Whispers from
2: the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father.
1: Prepare to die. So, Brendan, hobby time, man. There is a lot going on. And the main gist of this is that you have finally made a choice. I've decided what I'm doing for Dragonfall. And it was like, excuse me? All the way out of left field. Excuse me? What? What did you say? All the way out of left field. (laughs) So you're kind of building an army from scratch.
0: Yeah, I decided Sunday last week that I was going to play Lumineth. Two weeks before the tournament. Uh, My army is unbuilt unpainted the book technically hadn't even been released yet but you know had enough of the previews to know what we were putting together sure thankfully i had this army sitting new in box basically and said yeah. well let's do it cool and so in the last week i've built a 2000 point army i have painted a stone mountain guy yeah mountain cow 20 stone guard mm-hmm. i've got halfway through another you know another five i started painting my stone mage And I've got primed up the rest of my army, which is an Avalonor, an Enlightener, and 20 Sentinels. Okay. So, like, we'll see if I have time to paint the shrine, but you know, whatever. Like if we don't get to it, we don't get to it. Here we are a week in, and we're on a sprint here. And I looked around midweek last week and I said, I don't know if i got time to do the bases. And I texted Dan. I said, Dan, <laughs> how do you feel about some commission work? <laughs> and Dan was like, bases. Yeah, I'll do that. So now we're kind
1: of, you know, wagon train hooked up and moving forward kind of thing. And- yeah. At time of recording,
0: I have five days. Well, <laughs> Five and a half days to get this done. Yeah, so so
1: for both of us, it's going to be a very busy week because Brendan's got to get all that stuff painted. And then I've got to get all those figs as he feeds them to me based. I've also got to get the podcast edited. Just a few things. Yeah, and by Friday is when I'm leaving to go down. So I've got to get all that done. And we're going to be gone most of the day on Tuesday, I think, this week. We've got our trip down to... Rockford yeah it's gonna be a crazy busy week for both of us but that's great yeah it's what we want if we're gonna do a hobby let's go all we're gonna do this let's do this right so that's cool and a little bit of news I do have Durthu very much closely painted yeah I got his eyes his sword some of the branches on his back but the big news is is that yes listeners you need to sit down I am posting on Twitter (sighs) yeah (laughs) three whole posts in the last week but it's something it's three more than there were in the last five years right i'm posting updates on durthu so if you're interested at all you can go to at stormcaller dan that's all one word and check and see you know what's going on with durthu and i've got a couple pictures of him up there so far so yeah take a look and i'm going to continue to post any hobby progress i make anywhere probably i'll do something with the bases, since we mentioned it. Show people what's going on with those and how that's coming along. So they can kind of track our progress towards Saturday morning at 8 o'clock.
0: <laughs> Good. Busy, busy times. Yeah, I might be feeling some wet models on <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little streaky
1: there. <laughs> All right. Pre-orders, not a whole lot of stuff. We have Kill Team Shadow Vaults, which is basically Necron versus Kazarkin. And Kazarkin are great models. They I here for it. exceptional. For those who don't know, they are Arcadian Imperial Guard elite troops, so they are the best of the best. Yeah, them getting the replaced kids. by Tempestus Scions was... Yeah, I think these models are much better than the Tempestus. I really, really like them. We've also got some Titanicus stuff. We have a match play guide for those playing with the, the mini titans, and there's lots of grav goodness. There's a grav ruinator and a grav disintegrator and a grav whatever, but the... And a grav grav And they all look really cool, though. We have some miscellaneous various Middle Earth figs that have come out. And then there's, ooh, we have new tools for you. I have a little commentary on this. And, you know, GW is not going to be happy with me. But yeah, because
0: they listen. Yeah, right. (laughs)
1: Look, I'm just saying, listeners, if you're already hobbying, then you've already got your tools and all those kind of things. But some of this stuff, you could just, like, they have a a new hobby knife. Look, just go out and buy an X-Acto knife for, like, $10 Ten dollars and get a set of blades for it for another two, right? It's yeah, exactly. A knife. thirty-five dollar knife, right? And the lines, the mold line cleaner or whatever. I'm going to tell you this: there is a place called MicroMark you could go to, and they sell tools. That's pretty much all they do, and they have a twelve-dollar set of files, uh, Swiss pattern files it's like 10 or 12 files. I bought two of them just because they were so cheap and that's what I use to clean off all my mold lines. And I've been using those files for years. So there are alternatives to these things. They're cool, awesome. If you've already got them, great. I'm glad you're using them. But if you look at them like, oh, awesome, there's other alternatives. And I would kind of encourage you to take a look at some other things if you you want a less expensive alternative to getting the same job done. So anyway. Just a thought on that. That's really all the pre-orders, Brendan. And then we have games played. Mm-hmm. How about you for other stuff other than Sigmar? I've all only been hobbying. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> I finally finished KSK Demon Hunters. Oh man, that was work. I got to the last scenario and Mortarion is the final boss. It was just brutal. It was kind of interesting because it was like two games. There was like a mini game and then fighting Mortarian. Mm-hmm. So one of the coolest things, though, as a Grey Knight player is you reincarnate Drago and he goes in and fights with you. That which is cool. Which is really neat. The thing is, you get your one group of Grey Knights and Drago are fighting Mortarion and when you take a certain amount of damage on him, there are these, like, infested roots that are coming out drago goes and kills one of the roots now once you do that you totally flip to another mini game where you have some of your gray knights in a rear guard against like a wave after wave of death guard coming in and if any of them get past you When you go back to the other game, those Death Guard are there. So you want to kill all of them. It took me five playthroughs to get through this. The first time I didn't realize I only put two Grey Knights there, big mistake. So what I did was I optimized my lineup of four Grey Knights and I held back every single wave of Death Guard, so they weren't even a a thought. But it was very cool, very cinematic, and very satisfying, I can Mm -hmm. tell you after all that. But really good game. Um, If you're a Grey Knights fan, you really should think about investing in it.
0: Sigmar, well, you got a game in yesterday at least. I did. I got one game in. I played against Isaiah's Dragonfallist Clan Eshin army. Very cool. Just got to see what, you know, the Mountain Cows did, and we'll talk about what the War Scrolls are, (laughs) but Avalonor and Battle Mountain are... They're very good. Yes. I never saw them leave
1: the board. Everything else was disappearing, and they were just there. Yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. So moving on to events then, Dragonfall, as we've mentioned a couple of times already. You'll be already. listening to this as we are going there, or are there, <laughs> Yes, or absolutely. have gone. Which means the next show, we're going to give you a recap of our Dragonfall experience, what happened that next weekend. So that's coming up. RockCon actually had a really easy pre-scheduling I don't know what is it, mechanic this year. So they sent an email if you want to pre-schedule, and you just picked what you want, first and second choices for every block, and it's all done. So I'm all scheduled out for the whole weekend, which is so cool. It was just really, really easy. And then the Dias cast, our local friends here, have a one-day mid-November tournament they're going to run. That just kind of came up, I think, recently. I think you're gonna play in it, aren't I'm you? I'm signed
0: up for it. Yeah, great. Won't be able to play in that, but... I'll have another hand-wringing of, oh, what should I play for three games at an event? <laughs> That's it then, huh? Made yeah, easy... Short whispers today. Yeah, easy early stuff.
1: Yeah, and then we do the battle talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll take a little long. Buckle up, everybody. Man, <laughs> what are we, a team? No, 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're... we're a time bomb. Brendan, let's dive right into to
0: the Realm Lords, huh? You know, obviously, 3.0 books. We're not going to talk about too much. You know what books used to be. We'll start with the larger statement of this book is going to feel very familiar. Mm -hmm. A lot of the mechanics are going to be very similar, but there are going to be very minute differences. Point out the ones that are really, really important to know, but for the most part, if you're familiar with the Lumineth book, you're really going to know how to play this book already. For folks who were opponents of Lumineth and have had bad things done to them, I have good news for you. This book is, while still strong, you don't have as many of the same feels-bads that are going to... So it's not a guaranteed bad play experience here? (laughs) No, it's not. Some of the really worst stuff is gone. Okay. You know, one of the things that people felt really, really bad about was 30 unit of Sentinels... Doing mortal wounds on five ups, re rolling hit rolls, fishing for those mortal wounds. Sure. Good news, there's not a re roll spell. So you do still have a unit that can get to be 30 models that's doing five up, you know, mortal wounds. When you check the math on that, right, a third of them, you're realistic maximum is 10 mortal wounds yes that's still a lot but when you're talking about adding the rerolls in it doesn't become 17. right yeah it's huge yeah Yeah, it's also a 450 point investment right i promise guys it's going to be okay there's a lot more internal balance where some of the things that you weren't seeing before you absolutely are going to see because there's i think two war scrolls in here i looked at and went nah but as you'll find out there's a lot of war scrolls and if only two of them are sitting there going I don't know about this. You're going to see some good list diversity. and That's so great. Yeah.
1: That's what we always try to look for and push for. So that's great. As I glanced at the rules and, and the War Scroll cards last night, it was pretty apparent at my level that, again, we've got a book where there's a lot of different ways to play this army. And that was just
0: a quick glance. That was really... Very much so. Satisfying. The other part of this is, is you're going to see lists that are constructed the same, but with a different subfaction, which means that they are going to play very differently from each other. Sure. Lots and lots of tactical variants Mm -hmm. here. That's great. Yeah. So now I'll let us jump in. (laughs)
1: No, no, that's fine. (laughs) That's important to talk about because a lot of people had feel bad there's a lot of trepidation in this book yes absolutely that was great to start out on a positive note as usual they talk about the fact that there are sub factions there are six of them and we will talk about each and every one the first special rule allegiance ability type of rule is lightning reflexes or reactions during the combat phase after any units with the strike first effect have attacked, when it is your turn to pick a friendly luminous realm lords unit to fight you can pick two eligible Realm Lords units instead of one. Neither unit can have the strike last effect. Each of those units can
0: fight one after the other in the order of your choice. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. It's very good. Very, very good. The next thing up is the Aether Quartz Reserve. So each Realm Lords unit in your army starts the battle with one Aether Quartz Reserve. Once per phase, you can say that one unit will use its Aether Quartz Reserve to use one of the following abilities. However, if you do so, subtract one from the unit's bravery characteristics for the rest of the battle. You have three choices. One is heightened reflexes. You do it when you are picked to be the target of an attack until the end of that phase. Add one to save rolls for attacks that target that unit until the end of that phase. Free all-out defense. And that is shooting or melee. Yep. Okay. And at any point in time as well. It doesn't have yeah. to be the combat phase or the shooting phase. If you're mm. being fought in the hero phase, you can use this now, which is really good because obviously you can't use all-out defense out of sequence. Yep. Heightened senses, you can use this when you are picking it to shoot or fight. If you do so, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until the end of that phase. So you can Very use good. this for unleash hell as well. So you can mm. negate the negative modifier. Very nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. Again, a free all-out attack. And then magical boost. You can say this, say the unit will use this ability after it's attempted to cast a spell, but before any unbinding rolls are made for that spell. If you do so, you can either add one to that casting roll or re-roll that casting roll. Ooh, that's really good. It's very good. Very, very good. There's a lot of spells in here that cast on eight or nines. Taking that plus one is really useful. You know, there's lots of things also that cast on five and sixes and... Rather than tip your four up to a five, you're better off taking the dice and, and re-rolling and, and trying to land like a seven or an eight. Important thing with this, right, is you can only use one Aether Quartz per phase. So For the whole army. Yeah. Right. Let's say you have eight units. You can't have six of them use it in one phase. Correct. Right. You can use one in your combat phase and you can use one in your opponent's combat phase, but it's only one per phase. Very good. And I know there are ways we're gonna talk about that you can enhance the number of Aether Courts you have. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Be more efficient with the spend, right? There's all sorts of things. Some of the astute listeners will notice that this being the end of the battle traits, you're gonna ask, well where are all the other ones? <laughs> this yeah. book has migrated a lot of things to the war scroll. And we'll talk about them on the one war scroll and we'll go, it's the same as this on all of the other ones. But one of the things with that is it makes the Realm Wards units really good allies because they're basically taking battle traits with them on Mm. their war scroll to that allied army. Which doesn't happen all the time if you don't have a certain keyword, for example, mm-hmm. you lose that. Yep. Exactly. So Very, very nice. Very simple set of battle traits. Everything else is War Scroll-based. I'm actually a real big fan of that design principle, so that when you are playing the game, the, the number of rules that you can forget because they're not in front of you is reduced significantly. Sure. So
1: why don't you talk about the big guy first? Wow.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I really enjoy when we're doing the Battletome reviews is that the big hero is always first. Yes. I feel like it always sets a tone for what the book is. Mm-hmm. So, Teclis is going to be very familiar. 10-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 10, 16 wounds is a wizard that has a variable number of casts and unbinds. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the combat profiles, this isn't what you're using them for. <laughs> Lunar Staff, 18-inch range, one attack, twos by twos, run three, damage d6, solid. The Sword of Techless, one-inch range, two attacks, fours and twos, run three, damage d3, and the Moonbright Talons are one-inch range, six attacks down to three, threes by threes, run two, damage two. Mm-hmm. If you're in, you can do some damage, right. but you don't want to be. <laughs> Not in this guide. One of the important things to note here is Techless has access to all of the lores of spells, but presently, as worded, can only pick one spell like any other wizard. I expect that to change in an FAQ. That mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. That would be the first God-style character that we've seen that doesn't know all of the spells. So take it with a grain of salt that presently he's only able to select one external spell, but I think he's gonna get the lore master. Makes perfect make sense. Exactly. He has the rule Archmage, which also tables now. At your higher levels, you can choose to cast one, two, or up to four. And what that means is at the start of your hero phase, you can say how many spells you'll cast uh, with this unit. The number of spells it can cast are shown on the damage table above. If you say one spell, when it attempts to cast a spell, it is automatically cast with a casting roll of 12 that cannot be modified and it cannot be unbound. <laughs> if you say two spells, when it attempts to cast those spells, it is automatically cast with a casting roll of 12 that cannot be modified but can be unbound. Mm-hmm. If you say up to four spells when it attempts to cast those spells, each is automatically cast with a casting roll of 10 that <laughs> cannot be modified. <sighs> These spells can be unbound. Oh, man. That's pretty good. That's. Crazy good. Yeah. He's got the aura of Selenar. You add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for friendly Lumineth Realm Ward units wholly within the range of this unit's aura, which tables from 16 down to 6. <laughs> That's an insane range. That's well, so it's It's a huge base. It's,
1: yeah, but it's 32 inches bubble when you think
0: about that. Yeah. Plus the base. Yeah, huge base, too. Crazy the discs of the Elementari, in your hero phase in addition to casting spells this unit can automatically dispel one endless spell do not roll 2d6 in the enemy hero phase this unit can automatically unbind one enemy spell Mm -hmm. he still has to be within range yeah of course yeah
1: just to clarify
0: you have the seeing stones of the selenar each time a friendly unit within range of the aura of selenar is affected by the abilities of an endless spell or a spell cast by an enemy wizard you can roll a dice on a four up, you ignore the effect of that spell or the effects of that endless spell's ability on that unit, then pick one enemy unit within eighteen inches of that unit. That enemy unit suffers D three mortal wounds. It's pretty gross. Yeah. You have two spells on Teclas's war scroll. The protection of Teclas that has a casting value of a ten and a range of eighteen inches. Which is no big deal. Casting value of ten, whatever. It's like
1: yeah. for most people
0: that would be horrific. And now it's just automatic. Yeah. <laughs> Friendly realm wards units wholly within range have a ward save of five up. Until your next hero phase, this spell cannot be cast in the same phase as a protection of Hayish.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a lore spell that we'll talk about, I'm sure, when we get to picking out what spells we really like. That's incredible. When
1: you think about the range of that spell again is 18. Mm-hmm. You get a five up ward from the if it goes off, which it would. And you could also have that four up against spells and endless spells. Yep. Wow. Yep. (laughs) Crazy good.
0: Teclis' second spell is the Storm of Searing White Light. Casting value of a 10 in a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, roll a dice for each enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster. On a 1, nothing happens. On a 2 to 4, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. And on a 5 up, it suffers D6. Classic spell to send right through the Umbral spell portal. Yeah. And you just go... Done. Well, I'm done with that. (laughs) Yep. Teclis, still very powerful item of clarity that you can expect at some point is do we get lore master for him basically to match all of the other god you know level characters and if so good lord yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a reason there's, yeah maybe that's intentional he can only do one i wouldn't be upset if it is intentional i think lumeneth players would be quite upset because their very wizardy master character isn't as wizardy as Like, Marathi. Well, but my response to that was like, yeah, he's
1: not very wizardry. He's casting basically any spell (sighs) automatically. Yeah, okay. That's not very good at all. Oh, it's terrible. It's it's so bad. I'm glad you understand, Dan. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the Light of Eltharian. The model is... insanely cool. Eight wounds, three up saves, six inch move, ten bravery. There's two profiles here. One is the Fang Sorn of Eltharian. One inch range, four attacks, twos by threes, minus three rend, three damage. And then the Celenari Blade, because why not have two weapons? One inch, two attacks, twos by threes, minus one, and three damage again. That's six attacks at three damage. Seems good. <laughs> A little bit. It gets better though. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero or monster within three inches of this unit. If you do so, attacks made with this unit, Selenari Blade, that target that hero or monster, have a damage characteristic of 2d3 instead of 3. So, on average, 4 versus 3. Okay, yeah, but you could spike, so... Yeah, it could be 6. Yeah, it could, could be also six. be 2. Yeah, it could be 2. Then we have the Fang Sword. There's a special rule for this. Add 1 to wound rolls for attacks made with this unit's Fang Sword. If this unit made a charge move, okay, very cool, so 2 by by twos now. In addition, if the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with this unit's Fang Sword is six, that attack causes one mortal to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. So three plus one mortal. Yeah. Woof. Okay. Searing Darts of Light. In your shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of this unit that is visible to it and roll a dice. If a one, nothing happens on a two through four, d3 mortals on a five up, d6 mortals. Spirit Armor. Ignore modifiers, ooh, ethereal, <laughs> when making save rolls for attacks that target this unit, which is, like, thematically is appropriate. It's just because, a suit of armor. Right, and it's a revenant kind of a thing. In addition, have the damage inflicted by attacks made with missile weapons or melee weapons that target this unit. Ouch. Have. That's really crazy all right supreme Swordmaster. ignore negative modifiers when making hit rolls for attacks made by this unit in addition if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by this unit is six the attack scores two hits so exploding uh hits on sixes coolio yeah wow <laughs> pretty good brendan yeah
0: pretty punchy <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> nice next up we have lirior uthral the warden of geometrica so this is a keyword locked hero in geometrica Mm -hmm. 16 inch move three up save bravery nine six wounds pretty light on wounds there but you know he's actually relatively inexpensive for you know what we consider named characters to be he's 190 points Mm -hmm. has demon bane as a range weapon 18 inch range one attack twos by twos rend two damage d3 and also as a combat weapon three inch range two attacks twos by twos rend one damage d3 He's got a sword, one-inch range, five attacks, twos by threes, rend one, damage two. His horns and claws, one-inch range, four attacks, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. One cast, one unbind wizard. Demon Bane is damage three instead of d3 if the target has the chaos and demon keywords. He has the purest of Aether Quartz. You subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target this unit and add one to the casting roll when it attempts to cast Greater Power of (laughs) Hayesh. If this unit uses its last Aether Quartz Reserve, it cannot use this ability for the rest of the battle. He has Sun Metal Weapons, which you'll see on a lot of different characters. Yes. Sun Metal Weapons means sixes to hit, do mortal wounds. In the case of this, its sixes to hit are two mortal wounds, and the attack sequence ends. But that's just with his sword. Mm-hmm. Then he has the Voice of Tyrion. Once per battle round, this unit can issue a command to a friendly Umetrica unit anywhere on the battlefield without a command point being spent. And then the greater power of Hayish is a casting value of a 7, range 18. If successfully cast, pick up to D3 friendly Lumineth Realm Wars units with the Sun Metal Weapons ability. Holy within range, invisible to caster. Till your next hero phase, the Sun Metal Weapons ability, whose units cause mortal wounds on unmodified roll of 5 up instead of a 6. That's really good. Yeah.
1: Now, this... Hero is sub locked to Eumetrica. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's the only one you can really take it in. Well, I mean, you to can get you, you can,
0: can take, take it in other ones. One. Right. The thing that you lose, but, though, here, is you lose the voice of Tyrion, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. You lose the demon bane items. Because there's an unnamed version where the difference is a bravery of one. And he's 190 points where the Venari Lord Regent... You're not taking that much of a hit with 20 points, which, Mm -hmm. you know, means you can take command traits and artifacts for them if you want. It's not a huge loss. It's two inches of move, a bravery, and, you know, five free command points and two profiles. To take the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, because then, Dan, talking about the Venari Lord Regent. Yeah, yeah. The Lord Regent is a 14-inch move.
1: Here we go. Six wounds... 3-up save, 8 bravery. We have the Regent's Sword and the Horns and Claws again. Those Those are identical. Purist Aether Quartz is the same. So the Lord Regent is a wizard, of course, a one-by-one wizard. The purest Aether Quartz, the rule is the same. Yep. So we can do the Greater Power of Haish. The Submetal Weapons, the rule is the same. And the Greater Power of Haish. It seems to me, I mean,
0: you're losing the voice of Tyrion, like you said,
1: but... Oh, man.
0: If you end up with the extra 20 points to throw around and, you know, you're not using anything specifically on the Venari Lord Regent, mm-hmm. like, cool, go grab Lirior. Because you're getting that command point, the free command point. That's yeah. what you're getting. Cool. If you're doing specific kitted items on the Venari Lord Regent and, you know, Venaris have specific command traits and specific artifacts, mm-hmm. then cool, right? You know, that's what that is. But I don't think Lord Regents are especially impactful outside of really the greater power of Hayish. Yeah.
1: Right. What about this banner blade?
0: Yeah, so the the banner blade's pretty interesting in that it's super duper incredibly cheap. You know, it's a hundred points for a hero. Yeah, it's amazing. Pretty rare. Yeah. Six inch move, three up save, bravery eight, five wounds. Cool. The banner blade has a sword, one inch range, four attacks, twos by threes, rend one damage one. Cool. Then he has the world banner. You can re-roll charge rolls for friendly Lumineth Realm Wards units wholly within 18 inches of any friendly banner blades. That's good. And in addition, once per battle at the start of any phase, you can say that you will draw on the power of the world banner. If you do so, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 18 inches of this unit. If the roll is equal to or less than the number of the current battle round, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, and subtract one from the hit rolls for that unit until the end of that phase. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: And then Sun Metal Weapons... Okay, and that range for that
1: for the world banner thing is eighteen inches. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, wow.
0: yeah. There are some units that you definitely want to be charging. One of the things that you'll notice, right? Obviously, with things like Aether Quartz and you know this, is there's a lot of ways to be very efficient in your command point spend, as well as workarounds from having to not even spend command points. hmm So sure, we got that. Next up are going to be the Sonari Heroes. We got the Cathalar first.
1: Beautiful model since the first time we saw her. Oh, man. The times I played against it, it could be really frustrating for your opponents. Very different. Yeah. It's very
0: different. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you talk about what it does now? So, the Cathalar, six inch move, five up save, bravery seven, five wounds, has the despairing touch, one inch range, one attack, fours by twos, Ren nothing, damage d3. So, obviously mm-hmm. a combat hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. One cast, one unbind wizard. All of the scenario casters have this rule, Deep Thinkers. Once per battle in your hero phase, when this unit attempts to cast its first spell in that phase, it is automatically cast with a casting roll of a nine, but cannot be modified, but it can be unbound. That's...
1: Really powerful.
0: Wow. Especially since there are some lore spells that yeah. cast on eights and nines. Having some autos, really good. Absorb Despair. Once per phase if a friendly unit uses its Aether Quartz Reserve while it is wholly within 18, 18 inches of any friendly units with this ability. You can say that this unit will absorb the negative energy. If you do so, do not subtract one from that unit's bravery characteristic. Instead, you can pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of that unit. If you do so, subtract one from the bravery characteristics of that unit for the rest of the battle. The same enemy unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per battle. Very reasonable. Yeah, cool. Good little mechanic. And then her spell, Darkness of the Soul, has a casting value of a 7 and a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster. To your next hero phase, roll 2d6 each time that unit attempts to make a normal move, run, retreat, makes a charge move, shoots, or fights. Make the roll before the action is carried out. If the roll is greater than the unit's bravery characteristic, that unit cannot perform that action in that phase. That's super good, especially with pairing Absorb Despair, where you're going to hand out a minus one to that unit, potentially, then trigger Darkness of the Soul against their modified bravery characteristic. That's so good. Yeah. Man, that's... Yeah, very, very good. Because it states in here just the bravery characteristic, not the unmodified. And there's some enemy heroes, Brendan, who only have, you know, bravery
1: of six or seven that are going to want to try to charge or whatever else it is.
0: Man. If I was a Gargants player, I would be losing my mind <laughs> with this. Because, you know, you got to land greater than. Yeah. Cool. But you can use your autocast, can you not? yeah you yeah. can use deep thinkers to get the auto cast off on it but you're rolling 2d6 each time they attempt to make that action right. so if you've modified the bravery there when they're making that action you can charge them fight them and trigger darkness of the soul and they can't do anything yeah i can't fight mm-hmm. yeah. wow <laughs> really scary for like you said a giants player super good unit yeah you don't have to worry about the super bravery bomb anymore, which is good. I know that was one of the real feels bads of Cathar's being out there. But this is this is much more reasonable. Yeah,
1: and only 110 points for her, so very very nice. All right, so we have the Enlightener. You you have an Enlightener in your army. Don't I do. They're 170 points, but yeah. they're really good. And. Six inch move, seven bravery, five wounds, five up save. Have the Crested Staff, 18 inches, D6 attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. And Lightner Blade, one inch range, three attacks, four by threes, minus one, two damage. Again, another fighty hero, as you said last time. More fighty than the Cathalard. Yeah, at least, yeah, the big staff there. Deep Thinkers, same rule, auto-cast on a nine if you wish to do so once per game. Once but per a two-cast, two-unbind wizard. Yes, which is a little different, which is why that extra... 60 points, Mm -hmm. okay, but still a very reasonable price for a two-cast yeah, two-by-two wizard. We have Rune of Ethle. Once per turn, if this unit successfully casts a spell from the Lore of Haish and the spell is not unbound, you can roll a dice after the effect of that spell has been resolved. On a three-up, you can immediately resolve the effect of that spell for a second time, but you cannot pick the same target that was picked for the spell for the first time. So what? It's really good.
0: There's a couple of spells that are worded in such a way, thankfully, where double casting them really doesn't do anything for you, Mm -hmm. but there's a couple, and, and we'll get to them, where the ability to resolve it twice on the field is a big deal. It's just
1: like chain lightning, that's so good. Uh, then we have Twin Tether, it is a spell that has a casting value of six and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster until your next hero phase. Each time a wound or mortal wound is allocated to the caster, your opponent must allocate a wound to that enemy unit. Ooh, okay.
0: Right. And you're a five wound hero, yeah. so.
1: E- yeah. The thing where you can resolve twice is quite it's good. Really good. Considering what we're going to talk about with spells. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, we have a Caligrave now. Yep, the Caligrave is one of those units that i tell you I... I don't know about their chief. Six inch <laughs> move, five up save, bravery seven, five wounds the Caligrave blade three inch range d3 attacks threes by threes rend one damage two one cast one unbind is a deep thinker has the room realm scribe once per battle in your hero phase instead of attempting to cast any spells with one friendly unit with this ability you can roll a dice add the number of the current battle round to the roll on a five up pick a unit anywhere on the battlefield for the rest of the battle Do not take Battleshock tests for friendly Lumineth Realm Ward units wholly within nine inches of that point, and add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for friendly Lumineth Realm Ward wizards within nine inches of that point. Mm. It gets neat. Yeah. Then the spell Erasure... Casting value of 8 and a range of 24. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within range, visible to the caster. You can either cause d3 mortal wounds to that hero or mark them for erasure. However, if that hero is already marked for erasure, then instead they suffer 2d6 mortal wounds and no. are no longer marked for erasure. Ouch. It's a good spell. Yeah. The d3 up to 2d6 is a pretty big change at 115 points you know like it fits in well the thing i really struggle with is all of the things like that you can also take instead of this Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of synergies you know that you're going to come out of the realm scribe is i'd say probably the thing that you'd look at and say i'd put that out there adding one to the casting dispelling and unbinding rolls basically for that point that you're going to defend but it still is a dice roll. It's a four up in the first battle round, a three up in the second. Mm-hmm. And you can still fail that roll. Oh, yeah, sure. It's and then funny. what specifically are you using this hero for right. if you fail it? Right. Next up, Dan, is the Lore Seeker, another model that's had their, you know, real feels bads taken away yeah. and made markedly more reasonable. Okay. Okay so the lore seeker is six inch move eight bravery six wounds four up save
1: has the eclipsian staff which is a ranged attack 12 inches two attacks three by threes minus two d3 damage the lore seeker blade one inch range four attacks 2s by threes minus one d three it is a one by one wizard it has the deep thinkers rule as the other scenario have. Lone Agent, at one to save rolls for attacks that target this unit if it is more than nine inches from all friendly units. In addition, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it is set up as a Lone Agent Reserve unit. If you do so at the end of deployment before determining control of objectives, you must set up all friendly Lone Agent Reserve units on the battlefield more than three inches from all enemy units and not in your territory. If you set up the friendly Lone Agent Reserve unit Within six inches of an objective that is not contested by enemy units, that lone agent reserve unit counts as 10 models for the purposes of contesting
0: that objective. All right. Yeah. It's no longer held indefinitely by the Lore Seeker. Right. It's 160 points. It's much, much more reasonable in terms yep. of what you're going to be dealing with. Sure. Now we've got the Stone Mage.
2: Hmm. So What do you think
0: of this one, Brendan? Well, this is the first of the Alarith units. Yep. The Stone Mage is going to be your most common general type in Alrith-oriented armies. Mm-hmm. The reason is, and we'll talk about it when we get to them, there's a really killer command trait and a really killer artifact that are just <laughs> sure. too good to pass up. Okay. So, 6-inch move, 4-up save, Bravery 8, 5 wounds. You have Staff of the High Peaks, 3-inch range, D3 attacks, threes by 3s Ren 1, damage 2, mm-hmm. is a 1-cast, one 1-unbind one wizard. You have the stone mage stance. At the start of the combat phase, you can say that this unit will adopt the stone mage stance. If you do so, this unit and any friendly stone guard units wholly within 12 inches of this unit cannot make pylon moves until the end of that phase. However, until the end of that phase, improve the rend characteristics of melee weapons used by this unit and those friendly units by one sweet. Mm -hmm. Enduring is rock and this is the rule that's shared across the Alarith units. Uh, When this unit is targeted by an attack, if the weapons used for that attack has a rend characteristics of minus one change the rend characters for that attack to blank. To no rend. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the spell that he has, Gravitic Redirection Casting value of a 5 and range of 18. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, the caster can fly. In addition, you can pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to caster. If you do so until your next hero phase, that unit's move characteristics is halved and it cannot fly. Ooh, fair. Yeah, it's a good one. 18-inch range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very nice. You picking up fly is neat and fun, but bringing a unit to the ground and having its move characteristic, pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. And the model is very cool. So very, Dan... Very cool the other named character.
1: Oh gosh, it's yeah, one of the mountain cows. This is so very Hero cool. Mountain Cow. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Hero Mountain Cow to you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so we have Avalinor or Avalonor, whatever you want to say. This beast is 6-inch move. 10 bravery, 3-up save 16 wounds. Has a Geomantic Blast, which is the range is tabled from 25 to 10. Woof, 25 inches. Very good. One attack, 3 by threes, minus 2 rend, d6 damage. Yeah, somebody rolled a 6 when they did that yesterday, I saw. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Wow. Then they have Fire Steeler hammers, which is two inch range, six attacks, three by threes minus two, and then tabled from five down to two damage. And then Cloven Hooves, one inch range, two attacks, three by threes minus one, two damage. Okay. Lots of special rules here. We have all but immovable. If this unit does not make a charge move in your charge phase, add one to the attacks characteristics of its melee weapons. So your next movement phase. Uh
0: yeah. Hello. Critical thing in there, this carries over into other combat phases, Hmm. but it is strictly dependent on whether or not you made a charge move in your charge phase, not Mm -hmm. in that charge phase. In your charge phase. Exactly. Okay, got it. So if you get charged, you can hang there and fight for several mm. combat phases. Seven
1: attacks, three by threes, which you can improve, minus two Ren, five damage, mm-hmm. oh, ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah. And during his rock, when this unit is targeted by an attack, if the weapon used for that attack has a Ren characteristic of minus one, no, it doesn't. <laughs> if the unmodified hit roll, this is fire Firestealer Hammers, for an attack made with the fire Firestealer Hammers is six then the attack causes one mortal wound in addition to anything else. And because you've got at least six attacks, you're probably going to get that at least once. But you can spike, which is nice. And then we have Guardian of haish Subtract one from hit rolls made by enemy units within range of this unit's Guardian of Hayish ability. And that ability tables from 12 down to one inch. Such a good ability. Woof. Just passive. Yeah, so good. And Stone Mage Symbiosis. If this unit is within 12 inches of a friendly Stone Mage... Use the top row in this unit's damage table, regardless of how many wounds it has suffered. That is really good, Mm -hmm. man. This is like the sub-faction with the trees, the big trees, tree lords and stuff in Sylvanath, where you essentially, until you're down to one wound, you don't table. So that's really powerful. Especially with something like this. Man. Oh, scary. Unshakable Faith of the Mountain. You can use this command ability at the start of your combat phase. Unit that receives
0: the command must be a friendly Alarith Elf unit. So, elf, okay. Yep, so that's the stone mage and the stone guards. The Mm -hmm. mountains are not eligible to receive this. Right. Add
1: one to the attack characteristics of that unit's melee weapons until the end of that phase. This unit can issue this command up to three times in the same phase. If it does so, no command points are spent the second and third time. God, that's nuts. That's like three commands for one point. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. Holy mutt, Brendan. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think you want to put some uh, stone hammer guys with these? I don't know. Yeah,
0: you definitely I, do. I don't know. It's 420 points. So, it's but, what it does pretty good. Yeah. Woof. Wow, that's crazy good. All right, now we have the twins. Yep, Alania and Elathor, the Eclipsian War Sages. They are both Sonari and Venari in mm-hmm. their keywords, and they are keyword locked to Iliatha. Mm-hmm. Six-inch move, three-up save, eight bravery, eight wounds. You have Altiari, one-inch range, four attacks, twos by threes, Ren two with the damage in the sea below category, which we'll talk about in just a second because mm-hmm. it's a long set of rules here. DNR. 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 1 damage, D3. And the Moonbright Talons, 1-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 3s, minus 1, 1 damage. Oh, they got an owl buddy. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. 2-cast, two, 2 unbind wizard. They have the aspect of Selenar. They add 1 to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls. They are realm wanderers. This unit can be included as an ally in armies that have an order general. In addition, if this unit's within three inches of your general at the start of your hero phase, roll a dice on a four-up, you receive one extra command point. However, this unit can never be a general. Makes sense. Altiari. The damage characteristic of that weapon is equal to the number of the current battle round. In addition, once per battle in your shooting phase, you can say that Elethor will unleash a blazing sunbolt. If you do so, pick one point on the battlefield within 12 inches of this unit and visible to it. Draw a line between that point and the closest point to this mm-hmm. unit's base. Roll a dice for each unit that has any models passed across by the line. On a two-up, that unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the current number of the battle round. Mm-hmm. Sudden translocation at the end of the combat phase. you Roll a dice if this unit fought in that phase. If the roll is less than the number of the current battle round or less than the number of wounds allocated to this unit, Heal up to D6 wounds allocated to this unit and remove it from the battlefield. Then set it up again more than 12 inches from all enemy units. If this is impossible, this unit is removed from play but does not count as having been destroyed. And then you have the Salvation of Hayesh, casting value of a 6. If successfully cast, the caster has a ward of 5 up until your next hero phase. So this unit could have a 3 up, 5 up. Yeah, super weird unit for 260 points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just trying to figure out what you do yeah <laughs> yeah what it does uh, if you have a place to realistically escape to a weapon that's four attacks twos by threes ren two damage battle round is pretty good could be good yeah especially with the ability to jump out of the combat phase and heal up that's not bad but it's just a very bizarre mm-hmm. choice stan Whoa. Why don't you tell us about the other temple that we have, the yeah. wind temple, the hurricane, hurricane. keyword. Wow. This doesn't sound like any other word I know. Hurricane? <laughs> More like hurricanes.
1: Hurricane. Yeah, right. The hurricane wind mage is 16-inch move. Five wounds, five up save, seven bravery. Has the Aspera blah, 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 whatever that <laughs> is. <laughs> three inch range, two attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. It is a wizard, one by one. The fan of redirection. Add one to save rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target this unit. In addition, if the unmodified save roll for an attack made with a missile weapon that targets this unit is six, after all the attacking unit's attacks have been resolved, you can cause one mortal wound to one enemy unit within nine inches of this invisible to it. Wow, awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Move like the wind. When you make a pile-in move with this unit, it does not have to finish the move no further from the nearest enemy unit than it was at the start of the move. Okay, that's good. Very good. Yep. In addition, when you make a pile-in move with this unit, if it made a charge move in the same turn, it moves move an extra
0: three inches when it piles in. Hmm. So if you charge your six-inch pylon and you are not bound by any conventional pylon moves, you basically can move six inches if you charge in whatever direction you want. Mm -hmm. If you didn't charge, you can move three inches in whatever direction you want. Great. If a friendly wind chargers unit starts a move wholly within six
1: inches of this unit, when it makes that move, that unit has a move characteristic of 16 and can fly. Very good. Mm -hmm. It's the fly thing there. Okay. Windblast Vortex is a spell. has a casting value of 5, range of 9. If successfully cast in your next shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the
0: caster. Roll a dice on a 2-up, D3 mortals. And then the last hero that we're going to talk about is Severeth, named character. Boo hiss. Dan, it'll be okay, I promise. Okay. I need some uh, reassurance. It gets better here. 24-inch range, (laughs) 5-up save, bravery 10, 10 wounds. And the Thry, the Howling Death, 18-inch range, 4 attacks, 2s by 3s, Ren 3, damage D3. I know it sounds the same so far. Mm -hmm. The combat version of that weapon, 3-inch range, 2 attacks, 2s by 3s, Ren 2, damage D3. And the Swirling Shards, 3-inch range, D3 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 1, damage 1. has a 5-up ward. Mm -hmm. living cyclone you roll a dice for each enemy unit that is within three inches of this unit after it has made a charge move on a three up that unit suffers one mortal wound and you subtract one from the hit rolls for that unit until the end of the next combat phase the same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per that's phase. pretty good. Minus one to hit. Mm-hmm. Move like the wind. That's the hurricane ability that's the same throughout. Mm-hmm. Scour. At the end of the charge phase, you can pick this unit to carry out the smash to rubble monstrous rampage even though it is not a monster. Searing Desert Winds. Not to be confused with Searing Desert Winds. <laughs> After this unit makes a normal move uh, at the end of the shooting phase, <laughs> okay. pick one enemy unit that has any models that is passed across and roll a dice. On a 3-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. All right. It's got to be a normal move. It's a 24-inch move, though. Yeah, it's a 24-inch move. It's got to be a normal move, though, which is important. Then you have the Spirit of the Wind at the end of your shooting phase. This unit can make a normal move or a retreat of 12 inches. It cannot run. In addition, this unit can retreat and still charge later in the turn. The important thing there is, Dan, is it doesn't run away in you, the opponent. Shooting phase. Yes. So you can catch them now. You very much can catch the Spirits of the Wind. He comes in at 320 points, which is pretty spendy. Yep, absolutely. For a now very catchable and very killable fox. Yep, but 10
1: wounds with a 5 up, 5 up save. It's pretty reasonable, mm-hmm. pretty resilient. So
0: let's go talk about enhancements then.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Awesome. All right, so we have command traits first. Mm-hmm. So we start off with the Venari heroes
0: super underwhelming don't know necessarily why you'd take a venari general mm-hmm. the three of them are really super bland i guess i would take the grand strategist you can add yep. one to the role that determines whether you receive one command point if you carry out the heroic leadership action so you're with this general you're so it's a, a three up it's a three up or it's a one up if you also have another <laughs> general that right. also dies yeah sure unclear lovely the other two are yeah
2: Yep.
1: Well moving on to Lords of Brilliance. So this is for Sonari heroes, your kind of magic heroes. Mm-hmm.
0: What about this one? Fast Learner, I think, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. General can attempt to unbind one extra spell in the enemy hero phase. In addition, the second time that this general attempts to unbind a spell in the same enemy hero phase, you can reroll the unbinding roll. Very good. Yeah, yeah.
1: I picked Loremaster just because you can know, can't cast two extra, but you can know two extra spells from the Lore of Heish. I just always like that for the flexibility. Depending on the situation, you can cast the spells you need.
0: All right. Lords of the air, Dan, what did you take? This is the hurricane wind mage command traits only. I took grand wind rider. Same. Okay, because this
1: is pretty crazy. Replace the general's wind leap ability with if a friendly wind chargers unit starts a move wholly within 24 inches. I love that range of this general. When it makes that move, it has a move characteristic of 16 and can fly. Like, holy mutt, that's a 48 inch bubble. Plus base. Wow.
0: You can <laughs> it goes from holy within six yeah. to holy within twenty four. Yeah.
1: And it's if any Wind Chargers units. Yeah. Not just one, it's all of them. Yeah. That's really good, Brennan. And yes, that's it is. all the time. It's not once per battle. It's so nice because there's two things that it's not. It's not once per battle and it's not this general. So it's not just affecting the general, it's affecting the whole army. Well, it has the potential to affect the whole army, which I think is really strong.
0: How about the stone mage? This is yours because you're- Yeah, diseased. there's one here that's better than the rest. Unyielding toughness. At the, yes. start, at the start of your hero phase, you yes. can pick one friendly stone guard unit wholly within six inches of this general. Add one to the wounds characteristic <laughs> of that unit until your next hero phase.
2: Oh,
1: God.
0: That's the one you're taking.
1: Oh, man. That's crazy.
0: It's really good. That's really crazy. Yes. Note, this can result in a model being affected by this ability being slain if the wounds allocated that model equal or exceed its wound characteristic once the effect of the ability ends. Fine. Yeah. So fine.
1: Whatever. All right. Artifacts. Yes, sir. We have Venari Heroes, and Mm -hmm. I picked the Senlui Amulet. Okay. The bear can run and still charge in the same... Because you've got some pretty neat Venari heroes that can do some pretty cool things. I just think that is very valuable.
0: I took the Waystone. Okay. Uh, once per battle in your movement phase, instead of making a normal move with the bear, you can pick a point on the battlefield within 12 inches of them. If you do so, remove the bear from the battlefield and set them up again within one inch of that point and more than three inches from all enemy units. Sure. It saves you the command point from running, basically. Yes. The thing that I would take that with is the Banner Blade. Mm. To make sure that you have the banner where it needs to be. Yeah, because that's a six-inch move. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's six-inch move. Point. You can, in this case, you don't have to spend the command point on running the six to try and get there. Or you're really trying to get a hero where you need it to be to unleash the world banner. And or also be there for the reroll charges for other units. Excellent. Scenario heroes next. Mm-hmm. How about you, Brandon? Silver wand <laughs> gives you access to a
1: second arcane tome. We're thinking a lot alike here, because I, but I think part of that is some
0: of these just pop out like they are significantly better than some of the ones around them. Yeah, yeah. the silver wand being the bearer can attempt to cast one extra spell in your hero phase. You literally can have this and an arcane tome in your army. Yeah. That's really good, <laughs> and you're putting those things on a hero that's already a wizard and
1: that's already got one or some, in some cases two casts. Mm-hmm. So you're up to three or four casts potentially for a wizard, which is really really good. Yeah, pretty strong for artifacts. Seems good. We got a couple more to go though. Wind mage. Yeah, wind mage time. I picked the wind blast fan. Uh, also. Same. Now, once all of this... this is bizarre. And listeners, truly, I mean, in all honesty, we do not consult each other before we do this. Just like with this or that, we don't talk about these. We kind of look at them and see what we think. Now, one of the things about these is they're all once per battle. All the wind mage ones are. That right away is like, okay, but you're going to pick one. Once per battle at the start of the enemy movement phase, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of the bear. That unit must retreat. Wow. Talk about... Somebody puts a really threatening damaging unit in a position. You don't want them in and all of a sudden
0: Well, (laughs) you know, so I really don't like any of the three artifacts for them This requires you to have basically already gone through a combat phase correct now one of the things that you can set up though with this is you can use the move like the wind do the six-inch pylon to tag that unit at 2.9 inches while they're tagged with something else, you can force them out and away.
1: And they're going to not, if you tag an end like that, they're not going to be able to threaten you as much in terms mm-hmm. of damage, right? Exactly. Yep.
0: So you can do some things to set this up. I just don't love that you got to get through a combat yeah, oh, phase sure. first. That makes sense, Yeah. especially with A wizard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A very squishy wizard. Not just a wizard, a very squishy wizard. Okay, how about Gifts of the Mountains? This is for Snowmate. There's only one in my mind Mm -hmm. the Molten Talisman. You add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Alarith units wholly within 12 inches of the bearer if the bearer did not charge in the same turn. Oh, you mean my very squishy wizard? Why would I, yeah, that I don't want to charge? And it's keyword Alarith. So the mountains, this applies to them as well. Mm -hmm. Add one to wound rolls.
2: Yeah.
1: (sighs) Man,
0: they could be 12. Wholly yeah. within twelve, but twelve. They can be very reliably twos by twos on the mountains. Scary stuff. Yeah. Now I did pick the Hearthstone
1: Amulet just because the bearer has a four ward against mortal wounds. I'm just thinking of the proliferation of mortal wounds, but the talisman is certainly incredibly strong. So spells, Dan. Mm. Three lores. Yeah, we have three. So, so the first one is the lore of Haish. Mm-hmm. My first choice here was speed of Haish. Right. Speed is a spell with a casting value of 5 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Luminous Relevards unit wholly within range, visible to the caster. Double the move characteristic of that unit until your next hero phase. It's <laughs> just stupid, man. That is just stupid good. Wow. Given some of the movement of these units already you're pretty much putting them wherever you want them yeah you get this thing off and that's really really good my second choice was ethereal blessing blessing has a spell cast of six and a range of 18 is successfully cast pick one friendly realm lords unit wholly within range of visible a caster until your next hero facing nor modifiers you make them ethereal essentially i like that as well because a lot of these units have three up saves yeah sure <laughs> Even though they have the ability to ignore one rend, and in some cases we're going to talk about two rend, I get it, but having a three-up base save, no modify, is really, really strong. Mm -hmm. The other reason I didn't pick a couple of the other ones, and I know this army has the ability to make casting value of eight or nine Pretty automatic s- pretty simple automatic i, I get Forget, that. pretty simple yeah. automatic i get that but i still think these other two are utilitarian spells
0: that are very very useful so what are you thinking total eclipse okay Casting value of a nine, if successfully cast until your next hero phase, your opponent must spend two command points to issue a command instead That's of one. so good. And then the other one I took is the Protection of Hayish, mm-hmm. casting value of an eight in a range of nine inches, if successfully cast until your next hero phase. Friendly units, holy within range, have a five-up ward. The spell cannot be cast in the same hero phase as the Protection of Teklis. Teklis, Cenari, and Venari wizards know this lore. All six of them are good. You can't go wrong. Wind lore, Dan. I took Transporting Vortex. Okay, tell us about it. Casting value of 8, range of 12 inches. Pick one friendly Lumineth Realm Wars unit, which is interesting because it doesn't have to be a Hurricane unit. Mm-hmm. A range, invisible to caster. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again more than 9 inches from all enemy units. That unit cannot move in the next movement phase.
1: Great, I picked Howling Gale, is a spell that has a casting value of eight and a range of 12, It successfully cast. Pick one enemy unit within range, invisible at a caster. That unit cannot issue or receive commands until your next hero phase.
0: It's a good one. Yep, nice.
1: You know what it made me think of was the, is it the Zangors that can do that? that can cancel... The The Enlightened, yeah. The Enlightened can cancel that off, and we were talking about how powerful that is. That's just really good. So, a couple of good ones here, Mm -hmm. no doubt about it. How about that? we have the High Peaks, which is Teclis and Allerith wizards.
0: Yeah, all those Allerith wizards we talked about. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) I like Unbreakable Stoicism, Mm. casting value of a 7 a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one friendly stone guard unit, holy within range, invisible. Until your next hero phase, that unit's crushing blow ability causes mortal wounds mm-hmm. on an unmodified hit roll of 5 up instead of a 6.
1: It makes sense you would pick that, considering what you're taking. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah, That's if
0: you've got stone guard, it's very helpful.
1: That. I picked Crippling Vertigo. That's a good one, too. And it is a spell that has a casting value of only 6, which is great. Range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, visible to the caster with a range of 18. That's not... Going to be too tough to do until your next hero phase. Roll 2d6 before that unit makes a normal move, runs, retreats, makes a charge move, or makes a pile in move. If the roll is greater than the
0: unit's bravery, it cannot make the move. Why mm-hmm. not? Stop. Just stop. You can do this and pair it with what the Cathalar does, and you right. can have two units that do that. Obviously, the Cathalar can stop units from shooting and fighting. And but... doing all those things, but this is, yeah,
1: that's so good. All right. Um, so,
0: some really good, powerful spell
1: lures here. Oh, absolutely. Really, really good stuff, Brendan. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. So units, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those units. And they are a fair number in here?
0: Yeah, just a couple. Yeah. Why don't you talk about these really cool... Sentinels. They're back. They're kind of the same, but a little bit worse. Six-inch move, <laughs> five-up save, bravery six, one wound... Two shooting profiles, either aimed or lofted. Aimed is 18-inch range, one attacks, threes by fours, rend one, damage one. Lofted is 24-inch range, one attack, fours by fours, no rend, damage one. The high sentinel is a wizard if it has five or more models. It's a one-cast, one-unbind wizard. That high sentinel is armed with a champion's blade instead of a bow and dagger, so you only actually have nine shots in a unit of 10 hmm. 19 in a unit of 20 if you've got a champion which you will because hmm. there's a wizard hmm. he's also a champion many string bow you have to choose which of the shooting profiles you're going to take it's not like cruel boys where it's required what you have to take based on the situation hmm. okay it is a choice sun metal weapons sixes to hit cause a mortal wound Shining Company. The Venari units all have Shining Company. All of this rule is the same. It's different than you used to know it for a couple of key things. First, you subtract one for hit rolls for attacks that target this unit. If the base of each model in this unit is touching bases of two or more other models in the same unit. Cool. Okay. You can run, you can charge, you can pile in, you can maintain Shining Company throughout. There aren't as many complicated restrictions that you have to deal with. High Sentinel has the Skyhawk Lantern. And you add 6 inches to the range characteristics of this unit's lofted Aurelian Bows while it's within 12 inches of any other friendly Sentinels or other Starshard Ballistas, which is pretty good. Then they have the Power of Hayesh, which you'll see on basically all of the Venari units. Sure. And they're all the same. Casting value of a 6. Successfully cast your Sun Metal weapons. Trigger on an unmodified 5-up instead of a 6. And any number of Lumineth Realm Lords wizards can attempt to cast the Power of Hayesh in the same hero phase. So this is where you'd pair with the Lord Regent. With the greater power of Hayish to try and get a couple of these units to have this mm-hmm. without them casting it, and then it frees you up to have multiple wizards casting things like Total Eclipse or Protection or on your Dawn Rider's Speed. Speed, yeah. So, very cool. Yeah, so Dan, Wardens. They are the base ingredient of
1: this entire army in a lot of ways. Well, constructed in a specific way, yes. Yes, absolutely. So we have a six inch move, six bravery. One wound, four up save. We have a champion's blade, one inch. Two attacks, three by fours, minus one, one damage. And then the warden's pike, three inches. Yes, three inches. We all know about trying to get those... Pile in, into a unit of wardens. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. Two attacks, three by fours, no rend, one damage. The champion is armed with a champion's blade instead of a warden's pike okay some metal weapons we know how that works wall of blades if the target unit made a charge move in the same turn add one to wound rolls for attacks made with this unit's warden's pike and improve the ren characteristic of that weapon by one so they're going to be three
0: by threes yeah threes by threes and, and ren one, one. yeah yep.
1: and this is if you were charged yes shining company same thing as with the sentinels power of haish same thing as with the sentinels yeah very nice mm-hmm
0: Got your Dawn Riders, 14-inch oh, moves so cool. 4 save, bravery seven, two wounds. You have the Guardian Sword, which is your unit champion. The one-inch range, two attacks, threes by fours, run one, damage one. You have the Sun Metal Lance, two-inch range, one attacks, threes by fours, no run, damage one. And then the ponies and their dashing hooves. One-inch range, two attacks, fours mm. by fours, no rend damage, one. Steedmaster is a wizard if it has three or more models. Mm-hmm. One cast, one unbind. Steedmaster replaces their Sun Metal Lance. Oh, it's armed with Sun Metal Lance and a Guardian Sword. You get both. Good for you. Standard Bear lets you re-roll Battleshock tests. Cool. The Deathly Furrows. At the start of the combat phase, you can say this unit will use its Deathly Furrows ability. If you do so in that phase, you can either add one to the attacks characteristics of this unit's melee weapons but it can only target units that have a wound's characteristic of one or two and do not have a mount. Or you can add two to the attack's characteristic of this unit's melee weapons, but it can only attack target units that have a wound's characteristic of one and do not have a mount. Okay. That's really good Mm -hmm. because it doesn't specify that your mount doesn't get those bonuses.
1: Ooh, bounty hunters. Yeah. (laughs) I think. Maybe. Yeah. And these are moving really fast.
0: If you... We've talked about some things and get these... things really fired up Mm -hmm. turbocharged if this unit made a charge move in the same turn add one to wound rolls for attacks made with this unit's sun metal lances and improve the rend Uh, of that characteristic by one so threes and threes on the lances rend one damage one one attack base but you know deathly furrows like this is a unit where you really want them getting into a very specific target Mm -hmm. they have shining company they have sun metal weapons they have power of highish yep
1: and just To circle back real quick on the Wardens, yes, they do have the wizard rule, same as others. Five or more models, they are a wizard. Mm -hmm. But I didn't mention that, so just to make that clear. The Ballista, Dan. I think you're going to start seeing these. All right. The Ballista is five wounds, five up save, six inch move, six bravery. The Star Shard Bolts, 30 inch range, three attacks, twos by threes, minus two D3 damage. And Army Swords, one inch range, two attacks, three by fours, no red 1 damage these ballista guys really love getting in close isn't it yeah were. great combat unit okay once per battle when you pick this unit to shoot you can say that it will fire its blinding bolts if you do so in addition to any damage inflicted units in that phase are dazzled until the end of the turn subtract 1 from hit rolls ooh nice very if the target of this Unit is a monster. The damage characteristic of the unit star shard bolts is three instead of d3. Sweet. This unit has a ward of six up if it remains stationary. Scryhawks add six to the range. You really. Mm-hmm. I think you'd need that. Add six to the range characteristics of this unit's Star Shard bolts while well, they're within, not only within, within any other friendly Ballista or Sentinels units. Wow, 36-inch range for that. 130 points for this. Do you want something to
0: die? Yeah, hello. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really good, Brendan. And yeah. I think nice. there's good value in this unit now. Yeah. But speaking of units that have a lot of value, the Venari Blade Lords are probably up there for most improved unit in this battle tome. Okay. And that includes all of the Alarith units that improved. The Venari Blade Lords are 6-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 7, 2 wounds apiece. They have 3 different profiles that are eligible. The Sunmetal Greatblade Great Blade Perfect Strike stance, 2-inch range, 1 attack, with a very specific sequencing, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sunmetal Greatblade Great Blade Flurry of Blows stance. Two-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, no rend, damage, one. And the Sun Metal Dual Blades, which is what the unit champion has, potentially. The champion is the Blade Lord Seneschal. You can either give them the Great Blade or Sun Metal Dual Blades. If you give them the Great Blade, you add one to the attacks characteristic. Swordmaster, each time this unit fights, choose either the Perfect Strike or Flurry of Blows weapons characteristics for all the attacks it makes with its Sun Metal Great Blades. Do not use the attack sequence for a Perfect Strike attack, instead roll a dice. On a two-up, the target unit suffers one mortal wound. Hmm. Add one to the attack's characteristics of a Flurry of Blows attack if there are five to nine models in the target unit. Add two if there are ten or more in the target unit. So (sighs) that's pretty okay. Um, Obviously, bounty hunters, bounty hunters, bounty hunters. All day long. Guardians, before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to a friendly Sonara unit, or instead of making a ward roll for a wound or a mortal wound allocated to that unit, you can pick any friendly units with this ability within three inches of that unit and roll a dice. On a two-up, that wound or mortal wound must be allocated to a friendly unit with this ability within three inches of that unit instead of that unit and cannot be negated.
2: Hmm.
0: Bodyguard. They have Sun Metal Weapons and they have Shining Company. Mm-hmm. So four attacks per model with Sun Metal Weapons can be pretty good. They can be made battle line for each Sonari hero that you include in your army hmm. and they're 130 points for five. That's quite good. Yep, they are
1: two wound models. Mm.
0: Yeah, this would be a unit that would take the Venari Lord Regent's Greater Power of Highish ability that you'd be pretty happy about because this unit is not a wizard. So getting them up to a five up on doing mortal wounds is something that you're... Pretty good. You'd really be hunting for. Yep. Next up are the Allerith units. And let's start with Spirit of the Mountain. This is
1: the other mountain cow. Yeah, very familiar. That you're taking. What do we got for points? This is 380 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Still pretty... So an Allerith and Avalonor, 800 points, but...
1: Boy, are they good. 14 wounds, 3-up save, 6-inch move, 10 bravery. We have the geomantic Blast again, which does the D6 damage and has a range from 25 down to... I can't believe that range. That is just so good. Good, 25 inches and we have a stone heart world hammer three inch range four attacks threes by twos minus two damage goes from five down to two and then the cloven hooves are the same as on the other mountain cow all but immovable is the same Rule, Enduring as Rock, when this unit is targeted by an attack, the weapon used for that attack has a rent characteristic of minus one. It does not. So Stoneheart Shockwave, at the start of your opponent's shooting phase and at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within range of this unit's Stoneheart Shockwave ability, which is 12 inches. If you do so, subtract one from hit rolls for that unit until the end of that phase. Okay, We talked about that already, minus one to hit.
0: Yeah, but the difference here is this is 12 down to 6, and it's one unit specifically, mm-hmm. where Avalonor's is an, is in an all the time, and it's, it's a, everybody it's in range. It's an aura. Exactly. Okay. And then we have the Stone Mage symbiosis
1: If this unit in 12 inches of a Stone Mage. Use the top row. We talked about that, which is just so powerful. Ooh, why would you not take a Stone Mage with these, if you're going to invest this much money in a model? Why would you do that? Like, it's so You wouldn't. Yeah. No, it's, it's just such an auto-take. Faith of the Mounds... Use this command ability at the start of your combat phase. The unit that receives this command must be a friendly Alarith elf unit again. Add one to the attacks characteristics of that unit's melee weapons until the end of that phase. This unit can issue this command up to D3 times, so it's D3 times. In the same phase, if you do so, no command points are spent the second and third time. That's... That's so good again. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're taking both. You're taking both. Crazy man. Then you've got the Stone Stoneguard, who are 120 points, and Battle Line in metric. 4-inch move, 4-up save, Bravery 7, 2 wounds. The Mallet Hammer and the Diamond Pick Hammer are now the same profile, so you don't have to worry about trying to figure out which is the right one. Just both mix of, and match. Both of them were the wrong choice before. 2-inch <laughs> range, 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, Rend 1, damage 1. And then the Stratum Hammer, which is what the champion has. One inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, no ren, damage one. Standard bearers, let you re-roll battleshock tests. They have Enduring as Rock, which is the same as all of the Alarith units. They have Fortitude of the Earth. This unit has a ward of four up against mortal wounds while it is contesting an objective that you control. Yes. Specifically mortal wounds, though, so don't get too crazy, guys. Yeah. Crushing Blow, unmodified hit rolls for an attack made with a melee weapon that are a six causes one mortal wound in addition to any damage it inflicts. Okay. They're not a ton of attacks, but that's okay. You know, you've got your mountains that are gonna hopefully up their damage a little bit they can be very underwhelming offensively but in that same breath they can also do a ton of damage if you spike a couple sixes good bounty hunters unit as well but you know much prefer blade lords if given the choice wind chargers wind chargers yeah so kangaroos Mm-hmm. Here we go. They are 14
1: inch. Move two wounds, five up, saves seven bravery. Their wind charger bows are 12 inch range, two attacks, three by threes minus one rend, one damage. The champion adds one to the attack char- characteristics, so unit of five can get 11 attacks. A standard bear, one in every five, you can reroll battle shock. Wind charger arrows. Ward rolls cannot be made for wounds and mortal wounds caused by attacks made with this unit's missile weapons. It's pretty good. Yeah ignore wars. Go where the wind blows. When this unit makes a move, it can pass across terrain features in the same manner as a unit that can fly. Ooh, nice with a 14-inch move.
0: And these are wind chargers too, are they not? They So they can get some stuff. Yes, they get buffed by the Hurricane Wind Mage with the Wind Leap ability, and obviously that command trait would improve from wholly within 6 inches to wholly within 24 then you become movement 16 and you can fly it's not too big of a loss because go where the wind blows you can yeah. already pass across terrain features as if you could fly yeah the benefit here you know from the wind mage would specifically be gaining the ability to move as a fly move so over other units right yeah. uh, and then we have move like the wind is our last rule
1: when you make a pilot move with this unit it does not have to finish the move no further from the nearest enemy unit than it was at the start of the move in addition when you make a pile in move we've seen this before yep uh, this is the hurricane roll yeah rule. this is the hurricane roll okay yeah okay
0: good last unit is the spirit of the wind mm. so the tone down severeth 24 inch move 5 up save bravery 10 8 wounds it's a leader but not a hero which is very important for you know when you're filling out your like different battalions mm-hmm. at 250 points you know You're spending 70 fewer points, but you're getting a very similar model now. Range attacks are 18-inch range, 4 attacks, 2s by 3s, rend 2, damage d3. In combat, it's 3-inch range, 2 attacks, 2s by 3s, rend 2, damage d3. And then your swirling shards are 3-inch range, d3 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1 also five aboard living cyclone is the same as what Severeth has Mm -hmm. move like the wind same as all hurricanes spirit of the wind same as Severeth. the thing that you're losing is the searing desert winds where you're doing damage over things that you move across Mm -hmm. and the ability to blow up terrain features so for the 70 point viewer it costs to take a hurricane spirit of the wind i think you're uh, pretty well positioned okay. to make that decision. You're not gaining a ton by taking Severeth now. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves us our endless spells and terrain features. And then we got to talk about nations too, right? We do. Yep. Yeah. So we'll do endless
1: spells. i'm going to start with what?
0: The Twin Stones. It was a very good spell. It remains a very good spell. It's 50 points, casting value of a five and a range of six inches. Reservoir of Power Rule, after this endless spell is summoned, place a dice beside it with the one facing up. Each time a spell is successfully cast by a wizard within 12 inches of this endless spell and not unbound, increase the value. Of the dice beside the endless spell by one to a maximum of six mm-hmm. before a realm wards mm. wizard within 12 inches oh, of this endless spell goodness. attempts to cast a spell <laughs> that wizards commanding player can say that they'll draw on the power of the twin stones if they do so they can add the value of the dice beside this endless spell to the casting roll. then after the effects of that spell have been resolved the endless spell is removed from play Whoa. super nice. super good yeah. this is how you get a total eclipse off on a three. Yeah, and Brendan, this is in an army that
1: is made up essentially all of almost all wizards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> almost every single unit and Hero. Just a few. Yeah, that's so good. This would be one of the things that you cast first, you toss it out there, and then you just start charging it up. Sure. The next one,
1: meh. It's,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, just... it's a weird one. It was a weird one before. It
1: remains a weird one. Yeah, the Sanctum is a endless spell that has a casting value of seven range of three is successfully cast set it up wholly within range invisible to the caster and more than three inches from all other things on the board essentially the parts of the endless spell must be set up touching each other so that they form a ring with the caster inside. Only Realm Threlnora's wizards can cast this. A wizard in a garrison cannot attempt to cast this spell. Okay, fine. Uh, it is linked. If the model that summoned this endless spell is removed from play, then the endless spell is removed as well. Stationary. While this endless spell is on the battlefield, the model that summoned the endless spell cannot move. Oh, that's just... Great. There must be something here that makes that worthwhile. Yeah, keep going. Uh, let's find out. <laughs> Barrier is the next rule. While this endless the spell is on the battlefield, range of visibility to and from the model that summoned this endless spell is measured to and from the endless spell instead. Wow. The sigil is the next rule. Subtract one from hit rolls and add one to the save rolls for attack to target the model that summoned this endless spell while the endless spell is on the battlefield. In addition, at the end of the combat phase, if the model that summoned this spell was targeted by any attacks, roll the dice for each enemy unit within three inches of this endless spell. On a one through three, nothing happens. On a four through five, one mortal on a six, D3 mortals. Yeah, it's terrible. It's just for, what, 50 points? 40 Tell me it's... Yeah, it's 40. No, it's it's 50. Which, like, really? You compare that to the
0: last one we talked about? Like, why? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, no. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Uh, Yeah, so the last spell is the Rune of Petrification, which is actually quite good. Casting value of an 8, a range of 18 inches. Has to be set up outside of 1. Has the rule turned to stone at the start of the movement phase and at the end of the movement phase? Yeah, so both. (laughs) Roll a dice for each unit within 6 inches of this endless spell. On a 4-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, subtract 1 from run rolls and charge rolls for units within 6 inches of this endless spell. Ability has no effect on Realm Ward's units. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Four up, it does damage, and you're making life a little more miserable for them. hmm And then the terrain feature. Shrine. Yeah. The waterfall. The waterfall. So you set it up wholly within your territory, more than three inches from all objectives and other terrain features. Alternating rules apply. It is defensible. You can place one Lumineth Realm Wars hero that is not a monster and does not have a mount in the garrison, and this is referred to as the Shrine Guardian in the rules on the War Scroll. Mm-hmm. Cleansing Rituals, once per turn, you can reroll one casting, dispelling, or unbinding roll for one friendly Lumineth Realm Ward's hero within 12 inches of this terrain feature. The terrain feature has a Shrine Guardian. The range of this ability is 24 inches instead. Hmm. Cool. Shrine Guardian, once per battle round, this terrain feature's Shrine Guardian can issue a command without a command point being spent. Neat. For free? It's not bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the unit's the spells let's go talk about the nations yeah we got a few of those we do have a few of them and they are all quite good yeah let's talk about the one
1: you're gonna take right First.
0: yeah Yemetrica. Uh, yes friendly Yemetrica allureth units that have the enduring as rock ability which is all of them uh, are targeted by an attack <laughs> chain change the rend characteristic for that attack to a blank if the weapon used for that attack has a rend characteristic of minus one or minus two instead of minus one minus two rend ignored mm-hmm sweet but if you get wow. to Ren 3, I take all of the Rend.
1: Yes, nonetheless, that's quite good. Yeah. Because that Ren 3 or more, it's not very common. It's no. out there, but not very often do you see that. So Yeah,
0: that nice. also makes Stoneguard Battleline being Eumetrica. Yep, so makes sense. Synergy. And then we have
1: Syar, mm-hmm. or CR, whatever you want to say. Friendly units start the battle with two Ether
0: Quartz reserves instead of one. That's really good. Double-edged sword in that each time you spend it, you know, you. Your bravery's down. Yep. But, hey, a bunch of free command points, really. The Great Nation of Iliatha. Once per turn, you can say that two friendly Iliatha Venari units will use their Aether Quartz Reserve to use an Aether Quartz Reserve ability in the same phase instead of only one. Good. You can roll them out faster. Mm-hmm. He can use more
1: command points, as it were. So the next one is Zytrek. So good. Yep. So ridiculously good. <laughs> Add one, two, all roles, essentially, that a wizard is going to use, casting, dispelling, and unbinding for friendly zytric wizards. Yeah. So all the wizards in your army are going to be adding one, in addition to any other stuffs they have. That's really good, Brendan. Wow. So far, so good. Four for four.
0: Yeah. The great nation of Alumnia Aluminum,
1: of aluminum,
0: aluminum. Yeah. Claim the field if the base of each model in a friendly Alumina Venari unit is touching the bases of two or more models in the same unit. So, shining company. Each model of that unit that is within six inches of an objective counts as two models for the purposes of contesting that objective. That's yep. neat. So very cool. Of all of them, that's probably the worst. Yep. But that tells you how good all of them are. Because Dan, the last one, the great nation of Helon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Can you say, uh,
1: (laughs) unleash hell? It's like, this is so terrible. All right, add one to the attack's characteristics of missile weapons used by friendly Helon units while they're within six inches of any enemy units.
0: Oh yeah, I'm going to charge your sentinels. Sure. (laughs) Ouch. It makes for a really unpleasant prospect, that's yeah, for sure. Doesn't it? Ow, 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 ow. It Man. makes the wind chargers battle line being Helon. Cool. This is a double-edged sword, right, in that your very squishy range units have to be within range. But one of the funny things in here is this could apply to mountain cows. their are geomatic blasts going up to two attacks. Threes <laughs> and twos, ren two damage d6. <laughs>
1: I mean, if you want to put them in Helon, Yeah. Which, yeah, okay.
0: It, it's a choice. You could yeah, do you, it. You could
1: do it. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> right, you know, your obvious ones are Sentinels, you know, going up, Wind Chargers going up. If you're going to take three units of 20 Sentinels, yeah, go for it. Spirits of the Winds yeah. going up. Yeah, Your Ballistas if you really wanted, right? Like, oh, you have a lot of things that this would apply to that's interesting, but you end up in harm's way. Sure. There is a trade-off to it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The last thing to talk about before we give our final thoughts then, Dan, is the traits and battle tactics. Yep, yep, yep. They have a pretty good set of oh, grand, grand strategies. strategies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't you get us started? Okay,
1: so we got Venari Assault is the first one. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are four or more friendly Venari units on the battlefield, and the model picked to be your opponent's general has been slain. Now, the Venari are... Your Blade Lords, your Dawn Riders, your Sentinels. You've got your Lord Regent, you know, and your Banner Blade are the other ones. There's a lot of stuff here that you might very well have four more of on the board still. How about the Cenari one?
0: The scenario Illumination, when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there is a friendly scenario unit in each quarter of the battlefield. Technically, you're allowed to have one scenario unit exactly on the middle quadrant, and that counts. And Um, your
1: opponent's, of course, going to let you do that, so...
0: Yeah, you're five (laughs) wound, five up save, very
1: squishy heroes, yes. Uh, We have Alderith Aftershock. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if two or more friendly Alderith units are contesting two or more objectives on the battlefield.
0: Just contesting. Yep.
1: You don't have to be owned. That one seems very reasonable. Very doable so how about the last one
0: the hurricane cyclone when the battle ends you complete this grand strategy if three or more friendly hurricane units are within six inches of the same enemy unit on the battlefield mm-hmm. that's doable mm-hmm. yeah for sure can be a little tough depending on all the setup but it's not impossible yeah. it's within six inches mm-hmm. so it's
1: not within three or something like that it's yep. and they're fast and okay
0: their battle tactics are good
1: yeah Uh, the first one priority target pick one enemy monster on the battlefield to complete this tactic that monster is slain in this turn by attacks made by any friendly starred shard ballistas well you can just go in and the turn before you can just pound the heck out of something take it down to like two wounds or something and then (laughs) then shoot it off the board with the ballista
0: yeah get them on the setup just takes a little bit of planning but Mm -hmm. very doable conserve aether quartz pick one enemy unit on the battlefield and one friendly Realm Wards unit that has at least one aether quartz reserve you complete this battle tactic if that enemy unit is destroyed by that Lumineth Realm Ward's unit in this turn, and that Lumineth Realm Ward's unit still has at least one Aether Quartz reserve at the end of this turn. It's totally
1: in your control. Like It's the, <laughs> very silly. Blind the enemy? You complete this tactic if four more spells are successfully cast with different friendly... Seriously? I mean, come on! Four more spells are successfully cast with friendly Lumineth units this turn. I mean, you got an army of wizards it's gonna be pretty tough i mean you can easily get this battle tactic yes with enough units on
0: the board earlier in the game if you're built that specific way yeah yeah so I mean, like boom. in my army there's only three wizards so mm-hmm. i couldn't do this if I you don't have to. any two casters i only have one two caster okay so but it's four or more spells are successfully oh. cast with different friendly yep so you can't mm-hmm. uh, still yep if you got four or more wizards well you've got units though too right I have a total of three wizards including the units oh wow yep. okay well I was thinking all right yep elemental supremacy pick one enemy hero on the battlefield and one friendly elementary unit that has at least one aether quartz reserve you complete this tactic if that hero is slain by that elementary unit in this turn Doable. Mm-hmm. so that's things that are elementary are stone guard wind chargers the things that are in the temple specifics mm-hmm sure very doable.
1: Haish made manifest, you complete this tactic, there are two or more endless spells from your army on the battlefield at the end of this turn. Super easy. You just gotta spend the 90 points, <laughs> or 100 if you want to do that silliness, okay. Ignore the odds, last one once you-
0: Yeah, when you reveal this battle tactic, pick one friendly realm wards unit and one enemy unit that are within one inch of each other. You complete this tactic, if that enemy is destroyed in this turn and that realm wards unit that you picked has not been destroyed. <laughs> Hello? Like, really? They have like three tactics here that are just destroying enemy unit. Yeah, yeah. You could pick the same unit to do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You can take your Stone Mountain to conserve Aether Quartz, Elemental Supremacy, and Ignore the Odds in three straight turns and do mm-hmm. exactly the same thing. Sure. The one turn, it has to be a hero, though. So that's the book. Dan, what are your thoughts? I love it. I
1: love the fact that. You know, Mr. Cavalry loves the fact that there's actually two cavalry units that are both viable. You know, both the kangaroos and the horses, which is very cool. You can build that way. You can build the way you're building and taking a bunch of stone warriors. You know, you get, you're you building mountain cows instead of techless. You could take teclas if you wanted to, and you go magic heavy if you want to. Just so many options in terms of big build. Mm-hmm. Really, really exciting. I love the fact that there are so many really quality artifacts and command traits in here. The fact that the lores are really strong. I mean, that's really cool that there's so much quality across all of the enhancements that you can take in command traits.
0: Yeah. I've seen some people where their lists are 75% similar to what I'm doing. <laughs> and then they've got a different sub-faction. And then... That totally changes everything. Totally different list. Yeah. Totally different list. I think that's super neat. The real incredible feels-bads, I think, are out of this book. Like, there is some stuff in here that's gross. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, like, everything is ludicrously fair and balanced. And, like, every book should have good stuff. This book has good stuff. There's less bookkeeping the player has to do. There's less maintenance that the player has to do. It's less complicated. I think it becomes a much more manageable army to play and to play against. Okay, that's fair. It's good... I think it's going to slot into the middle slash higher end of things, but I don't think it jumps to the front of the line. The army is very squishy. You can't field everything that you want to field. Mm -hmm. While everything shows up as being very affordable, points run out quick. You're going to be very surprised how little or how much stuff you got into your army and you go, Oh, but I really still wanted this. Or I really still wanted Mm -hmm. this battalion management is going to be a really big thing because this is an army that like when you take extra enhancements is an army that also like looks at having everybody know an extra spell. Mm -hmm. Like that's an enhancement that a lot of people are going to absolutely pursue because you want the flexibility of there's all these great spells you want to cast, but somehow not enough casters as wild as that statement is. You know That's something that you'll come across. But having something like an Enlightener with a Silver Wand or Arcane Tome mm-hmm. and then knowing a bunch of extra spells is going to be huge. Sure. It's going to be incredibly useful. A three-cast wizard that knows two or three lore spells, huge, huge dividends.
1: One of the things, you know, getting back to the flexibility in terms of building and that type of thing, is I like the fact that you could you know, as a hobbyist, pick some units you really like and build an army around that. And then you don't have to get new units. You can just change your nation. Mm -hmm. So you can have that army and not have to worry about, oh, I have to go buy this or, oh, I have to buy these guys or I have to get three of these. You could just change one of the sub-factions and you have a totally different army. Yeah. I think that's really, really cool because a lot of books don't have that kind of flexibility. I think the only other one that you maybe kind of see with it is Stormcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Overall, really nice and really fun to go through this one, and it was neat to see what they can do. I don't remember diving into this book like this before and really taking the time to look at what they have and being satisfied by the time
0: I'm finished. It yeah, because before it's just book. like, wow, like this is super dumb. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe it's just comparison shopping of how dumb it was. But things that were like real feels bads, like mm-hmm. what the spirits of the winds were, are so much more manageable. Like mm-hmm. you can't idiot proof, you know, your play style by just taking the 5 of them like I did to you in that at right. that one event. Oh yeah. Placing my 5 of them 3 inches away from you. Poof. And then shooting you up. You can't go anywhere. I back out to a place where you can't charge me. Yeah. And I just do it again. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a great game. I really love that. Yeah, great is an interesting word. (laughs) And the only time I've played Giants, so... (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, there is still
1: mortal wound shooting. I mean, there's still good things. These units still do good things. Foxes still have some really useful and powerful rules, but not stupid
0: powerful. I think Lumineth players will be happy. I think players who aren't going to encounter Lumineth players are going to be happy. It's a toning down of the nonsense and a bringing up of the things that you just weren't seeing before, which which is exactly what we want. Like, I've said it before, I'll say it again. In the 3.0 books, there's a lot of really good internal balance where there's a lot of War Scrolls that exist with merit, I don't think there's any special, like, coaching conversation for us to have here mm-hmm. for players who want to play XYZ, whatever. Like, you can take any of these units and not feel like a moron. Yeah, It's a super valid way to play. Get to that three and two mark that most players want to hit. Mm-hmm. You could run a full theme temple list. You can run, you know, nothing but Venari. You can do whatever, yeah. and it will make sense from a playing perspective.
1: Sure. Great stuff. So, All right. Thank you, man. Yeah. All right. We are going to move on, then, to Scriptorium. Scriptorium.
0: Et cetera,
1: et, cetera, et cetera. Right, scriptorian. we have a few new releases. We have Helbrecht, which is a one of the grand masters of the Black Templars. There's a book about him specifically. We also have two Black Templar collections of short stories and those kind of things, novellas. We have Void King, which is a novel about rogue traders so if you're interested in that type of thing and all the high families the royal families of the imperium this might be of interest we have Dark, which is a warhammer horror story set in Shaiish. how appropriate <laughs> and it is written by seal werner so it's kind of an auto-read for me. And then the one I'm really looking forward to is Kasserkin. That is the title of the book, and I wonder what it's about. Yeah, it's about a unit of elite Kassirkin that are going on this suicide mission kind of a thing. So it sounds very, very cool. A, a new author, I think, for Games Workshop and the Black Library, it sounds like. So I'm kind of interested to see some feedback before I read it, but just the subject matter is of great interest for me. So those are all the new releases we've had. And how about yourself?
0: I've got like an hour left on Echoes of Eternity. We're, we're getting there. Netflix has come out with a bunch of like sports-related documentaries here mm. recently. Okay. One of which is the Redeem team. It follows the 2008 gold medal basketball Olympic team, oh, yeah. where in 2004 they got the bronze, and that was obviously hugely embarrassing for the United <laughs> States, yeah. where the 2008 team is maybe arguably the second best team that has ever been fielded, you know, behind the dream team, sure. you could have that argument if you like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that was interesting. They've got untold stories about Tim Donahue, the NBA ref who was involved in a point shaving scandal and, you know, gambling on games that he was involved in. Fascinating, you know, kind oh, sure. of a thing. I'm halfway through that. It's always cool to see those behind-the-scenes kind Mm -hmm. of stories. A lot of sports documentaries Netflix came out with recently, so we have that. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been on. Okay. I'm almost
1: finished with Undaunted Courage, the Lewis and Clark book. About 50 pages left, and I'll be finished. So they've reached the coast, the West Coast. They're returning. Very, very cool. The Valpone Glory book is in the queue, and I'm ready to jump on that. I finished Throne of Light, that fourth Dawn book, and I don't know, man. I just was not into it unless the, till the last couple hours maybe even last hour and a half of that audiobook it just was flat like they were just describing all these things you know so and so goes to this new starship and goes to their quarters and meets new people and then they go and they do this and there was nothing happening and then you go to the enemy ships, you go to the word bearer stuff, and they're just kind of talking to each other, and they're saying, making plans, and I want something to happen. Everybody was just planning for like three quarters of the book. Mm-hmm. So I was a little disappointed compared to the other three that I've read, but... You know, if you're into the Dawn of Fire books, probably will enjoy it. Then you've heard this story already. But the other book I have started, and I'm well more than halfway through, is the latest Gaunt's Ghost book, which was his last command that came out. as book nine. And it was just so weird. I'm listening to the first hour of this, and I'm going, I don't remember this story. And I remember every Gaunt's Ghost book. I remember points within it that i knew what were happening and i just didn't remember and then i'm listening to the second hour still going absolutely don't remember reading this book and it turns out i never read this book and i thought i read every gaunt's ghost book and toby longworth is reading it so of course it's enjoyable to listen to very very good story it's kind of interesting because the premise of it is in the book before they went to this planet called garyon gaunt took a team of 11 other ghosts to they were going to either kill or capture this traitor general that was there they were essentially on their own for like a year year and a half on this planet no support absolutely nothing from the imperium they were just cut off and so they come back after this and the imperium absolutely treats them like they're corrupted and they have to be tested and they have to be found if they're tainted or not and so these heroes have endured just unbearable challenges when they were left out there like that and they come back and they're treated so poorly just so weird to have happen but of course they're dealing with it the way ghosts deal with it of course it's pretty cool and then darknet diaries for me my usual lesson for podcast but that's it for me kind of a short list but i think Hobbying has a lot to do with that <laughs> all the hobby we've been doing okay so that's scriptorium let's move on to this or that
0: Brendan, what are we. I'll start. Okay. Two Warhammer questions, two sports questions, and a, just a from outside left field question. Okay, great. Alarith or Hurricane Temple? I think.
1: Ooh, man, because I love the speedy stuff. I would, man. Yeah,
0: I would say the speedy stuff. The okay. Hurricanes. The Hurricane Temple? Yeah. Okay. As we talked about, there are six sub factions. They all have merit, they're all quite good. Mm. Which would you say is your sub faction of choice?
1: Yeah, so I think. The one I like is Zytrek, and I like it just because if you build this army a certain way, almost every unit is going to be a wizard. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you could have your entire army of wizards adding one to casting,
0: dispelling, and unbinding is really cool to think about. You could also pair that with Teclis if Mm. you were feeling extra squirrely to be plus two. Okay, yeah. Which would be really really borderline unstoppable. (laughs) So
1: good. I like that one.
0: Okay. So Dan, we're less than a week away from the season tip-off of the National Basketball Association. Uh, of
1: course, my favorite. Sport. Your
0: favorite question, your favorite sport here. Oh no! Who are the final two teams going to be in the NBA? Yeah,
1: Fred, you're such a...
0: Every every year I'm going to ask this uh, question. Every year Dan will go, I don't watch this sport, and every year I'll go, no that's fine, please idea. please try. So we're gonna say the Jazz, Utah Jazz. Okay, I'm gonna stop you, Dan. That's a bad idea. Okay, then let's The Utah Jazz blew up their team. Okay, then let's... They have no players. (laughs) Let's say Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Okay, interesting. I think the young guys are gonna do it this year. All right. I think so. And let's... uh, So you got the West handled. Yeah. Let's go the Bucks. yeah? Okay. Yeah. All right. The Bucks. Bucks are in the East. And Oklahoma City. That'd be quite the finals. Okay.
1: There we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just boom. It's like throwing. So the dartboard
0: is like 30 feet away. Me closing my eyes and throwing the dart. So that's kind of what that's like. All right. Fair enough. Coolio. We are at the halfway point of the college football season, most, yes. meaning most teams have played six games, many have played seven, but mm-hmm. pretty much everybody has played six. Yeah. A lot of big upsets have happened over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. The landscape looks fundamentally different than when I asked this question seven weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now with where we're at, with what we know, who are going to be the, four? the final four? Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm still going to stick with Oklahoma State. Stick with the Cowboys Because
0: I I'm just Even though they lost last night
1: I know that Okay I understand But I still I don't know I just think that They have a shot And they're like my You know Dark horse Kind of choice I think Tennessee Is going to be up there I think Georgia's Going to be up there Okay So that's three of the four And I think Michigan's Going to be up there after seeing Alabama play yesterday, oh the penalties! Oh my! Oh the man. penalties! I'm sure the coach is having some very, very long conversations with that team. Not only yet last night after the game, but all day today and all day tomorrow and all this week. That was just unforgivable for a team that's ranked that high to play oh, like that.
0: So bad. It was just like forgivable. it was a fun game. It was a compelling yeah. game. Oh yeah. But woo, that was imminently winnable. Yeah. Yeah, those my four. Okay. My last question, Dan, please describe for me the perfect hamburger. <laughs> Bigger than the roll it's on. Okay. It's always important to have the
1: the beef kind of hanging out the sides. That's good. A little bit juicy, not dry. Don't want that. And cooked through. My wife, Cindy, and I are not red meat type people And after it's cooked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we always, our beef well done, whatever it is, a steak or hamburger. So it has to be well done, but not dried out. That's my perfect hamburger. Okay. Yeah, pretty simple. Okay. I'm gonna ask you three Sigmar questions and then a couple others. So the first Sigmar question, and I know what you've taken now, but if you were gonna take another Lumineth army and you had to make this choice, you're gonna take Teclas for seven hundred, or what I'm gonna call the Twin Peaks. For 800 points. So that would be... Yeah, yeah so, the, so the two uh, so mountain So
0: the Spirit of the Mountain, right. and Avalonor, right. the, the hero. Two mountain cows. Two mountains. Or for 800 points, or Teclis for 700 points. Ooh. It depends on the list you're building. I'm jumping right into mountain cows. The first time I saw Teclis' War Scroll, not just in this book, right? Like the first time we saw it, my mm-hmm. first thought was... Gosh darn it. I'm going to own a Lumineth army, aren't I? <laughs> um, so I'm very happy to be playing Mountain Cows, but I think a techless oriented army is where I would be happiest. All right.
1: So wind chargers are the,
0: the kangaroos. The sh- yeah, the kangaroos. Or dawn riders, which are the horses? Mm-hmm. Probably the wind chargers. I think they're a more versatile selection. Mm, okay. This next
1: one is a bigger picture choice. Brendan is getting ready to go to NASHCOT next year. Okay. And he is either going to build a lumineth realm lords or disciples of Zeech army because he wants to win. He wants to win the tournament. Ooh! Which battle tome is he going to pick an army out
0: of? I think I would probably lumineth. Okay. I think it's a little more versatile. I think Zech is a little more unforgiving. Hmm.
1: Okay. All right. This is another who would you like to beat question. Okay. All right. Would you rather meet Robert Jordan, who is the author of the Wheel of Time series? Okay.
0: Or would you rather meet George R.R. Martin, who is the Game of Thrones author? I've never read the Wheel of Time books. not seen the show either. Obviously, I've seen Game of Thrones and watching House of the Dragons and have listened to an audiobook, you know, the Mm -hmm. Song of Ice and Fire. Sure. I think I need to meet the Wheel of Time guy so George R.R. Martin has more time to finish writing his books.
1: (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. That's, yeah. uh, And then the last question, for me, unusual, but it's just a straight-up question. Okay. Open-ended question. All right. Which bowl game do you want Purdue to go to?
0: I'll tell you which bowl game I don't want Purdue to go to, and then I'll hopefully answer your question. all right. Under no circumstances do I want Purdue to go to the Pinstripe Bowl. Dan, this game is so dumb. This is a game held in late December. Cindy, you can take your thoughts on this as well. This is a game held in late December, Uh outdoors. Not a big deal. Many yeah. bowl games are held outdoors. In late December. In late December. Yeah. This game is held outdoors in late December in Yankee Stadium in New York. <laughs> it is so dumb <laughs> that this is a game. And for some unknowable reason. it's strife. People looked around they said everyone loves the pinstripe bowl let's also hold another bowl game but at Fenway in Boston that's what <laughs> what are we doing if you want to hold an outdoor game in a cold weather setting play that game in Lambeau CrossFit sports stadiums <laughs> I, I'm not a Packers fan I'm a Bears fan sure I do not care to see my Midwest team mm-hmm. travel to the East Coast and play in a baseball stadium that I do not care about. <laughs> Big Ten teams playing at Wrigley in November is neat. It's a cool thing that teams get to do from time to time. Mm. I went to the one last year when Purdue went there. It was fine. Okay. It wasn't late December near the ocean. <laughs> okay. But seriously, if you want to have late December games outdoors in a cold weather environment, go to Lambeau. Stadium. Just play the game in Lambo. Go to a football stadium. Yeah. Play it somewhere that's interesting and compelling to watch that. Sure. Play it in Lambo. Okay. Anyways, the game so, I would
1: So you've made it very clear for us which bowl you do not want them to go to.
0: Yes. Okay. I want them <laughs> to make it to the Rose Bowl is what I'd like to happen. Mm. That's not unreasonable. No. No. I'd like them to make the Rose Bowl, which is very doable because Mm -hmm. they could win the West, Mm -hmm. conceivably. Mm -hmm. The road to winning the West is wide open. Iowa's bad this year. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin is not great this year. Mm -hmm. And Wisconsin's not playing the the kind of football that Purdue can't beat. This could... Hilariously come down to whoever wins the Illinois Purdue game. Just as everyone predicted. So you win the West, you make the Big Ten title game, you get murdered by Ohio State or Michigan. You know, whoever wins, you know, that particular matchup. Sure. The, but then one of
1: those teams is gonna go to
0: that a team playoff goes Bowl. to the playoff. Right. You are now the next highest ranked Big Ten team. Right. And then you get to go to the Rose Bowl. Sure. That would be great. Okay, so Rose Bowl it is. Yeah. Those are my questions. That's where I want them to go. Do I uh-huh. think that's where we're gonna end up? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. I've done too much suffering to know that that is 100% not the way that this goes. (laughs) But we can always hope, Brendan. True. Come on. Let's move
1: on to our show close. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know
0: about. So first thing, Brendan, do you have any Q&A today? I do. I have one question from a listener, a B. Melnick. (laughs) And his question for Dan is, what is your goal for Dragonfall? That's a great question, Brendan. Yeah. My goal
1: is... I have two goals. One is to see a lot of people I know and and just be with friends and see friends I haven't seen in a while and just hang out with people. Hopefully, have a really cool like Saturday night dinner, you know, with a bunch of people. That's my first goal. The other goal is to just have a good time putting models I have never taken before on the table. I'm taking Ulrich. Like, nobody takes him. Like, you never see lists with him. I'm going to take Kurtos. You see a few lists with him. I've literally never taken Kurtos to a tournament before. Just to have a good time with models that I want to play and not worry about beating the heck out of people. And honestly, I know it sounds like, oh, loser, loser. I don't care if I go one and four. If I win one game, I'll be cool with that list that I have. If I go two and three, it'll be like, hey, I've always gone two and three of my night <laughs> That's cool. There you go. Yeah, just to have a good time with it and use the silly rules and the fun rules. You know, steal a couple of command points with Kurtos, roll those five ups. Ulrich, you know, grab a unit that somebody's about to beat on and just pull them to another part of the board. So that's my goal. My question is from a listener named Phil, and he is obviously referring to your answer to the question, who would you rather meet?
0: Okay. He is asking, does Brendan own any Apple products? I have an iPod, and that was a gift to me in eighth grade, and depending on how old this listener is. it's a long time. It was the only sort of like really musical, you could get a Zune, right, right. but Zunes were garbage. Yeah, sure. I have one Apple product that I'm aware of. So it's an older yeah. yeah, nothing else. No iPads. Nothing else. Okay. No, cool. I, my tablet is a Microsoft product okay. that's here. Sure. My phone is an Android. Sure. My computer is scratch built. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I have conventional watches when I'm wearing them.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, cool. That was it. What do we got for next episode, man? Oh, we got Sunday Dragonfall. announcements. Dragonfall. We got Dragonfall. Oh yeah, I do gotta
0: we look gotta at my do. Sunday announcements here. Sunday announcements. All right. Warhammer Underworlds. First off, Gnarlwood. You have the. Two new warbands, one of them being the Dark Oath Gurr warband, and the other one being the very cool Skeleton one. Oh,
2: neat. Um, All right.
0: So I'm very excited to get my hands on the Skeleton ones. Just the models. Yeah, just the models. Like. I don't know that I want the wood game, but when the kit comes out, oh, when sure. you can buy just the kit, like, I'm in. Very cool. Those models are so cool. They're going to be great graveguard stand ins. All right dire chasm war bands that were originally leased for warhammer underworlds are coming out without their cards okay so you know for anybody that was holding off on the seraphon one the vampire one the slaves of darkness one the savage orc one the bone reaper one and the idoneth deepkin one oh, those oh, are all bunch. coming out wow for japan only <laughs> all the sons of bayamets stuff is coming out in japan it's that's cool yeah and then a bunch of black library stuff so. okay coolio Nothing too super exciting, but at the same time, nothing that we're not interested in. Okay. So enjoy your Japan-only <laughs> Bayamette release. All right. And then what is episode 109 going to be about, my Dragonfall. friend?
1: Dragonfall. Okay. Yep. We're going to recall our adventures. We're yeah. going to see if... They
0: Dan clear
1: the... The hurdle.
0: Yeah, yeah. That pinnacle that we've been trying for for so long <laughs> to win three games at a tournament. <laughs> We shall see. The same question will be asked of me, of an army that I have played once, uh, (laughs) have no prior experience in, and Uh, said, I don't know, seems fun.
1: Okay. Cool. That's it then. Yeah, I think we're all done. Thank you as always, my friend. Appreciate your insight on this one. It'll be fun to see how you do. But it well, was both of us. Yeah, but it was such a cool surprise to see you building the army so quickly and making that choice. Listeners, as always, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your support and the fact that you're sticking with us. If you know anybody who doesn't listen to us, tell them they're good... idiots. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was strong. You can do that too, but give them a good word and and see if they'll pick us up, and we'll give. Us a listen. So, other than that, you all stay safe, stay healthy, and remember don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something.
2: Bye. This is